It is good to be here. It's always fun to, to, to be back. And, uh, well, I, I, and I do apologize. I need to clarify some. The, the reason Jimmy says I'm one of his favorite people is because I know where the best tacos in the world are. <laughs> he gets off the plane in Guadalajara when he comes down into Mission City, and the first stop is Taqueria Los Alteños. And uh, he'll, uh, so anyway, but no, we w- I want to also thank you for your partnership uh, with us. It is uh, really the highlight for our family uh, of, of the year is when Stapleton sends his team down. And it's not just because you bring Skittles for my kids. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's because we really do I- enjoy uh, uh, having a, a little touch of home uh, come down. And uh, it is, you know, it's just encouraging uh, for us uh, knowing that, you know, we're down among the agave plants in, in, uh, in Guadalajara, um, but to know that, that you aren't just sending a check once a month or, or whatever, but that you're very much interested in, in what God is doing and you want to be a part of that in, in a personal way. Uh, so, so thank you for your for your partnership. Thank you for the sacrifice uh, that you do, and, and, and for those of you who are able to come down, and, and for the, those who give to support that, uh, it is it's it's important to us, and I think it's important to to, to God's work. Uh, so I do wanna I do wanna thank you for that. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, our, our our ministry. We have some uh, some information at the back. Feel free to. Uh, to look through that, and you can take one of the brochures. Because uh, I want to focus in on Jonah this morning. Uh, now, Jonah's always been one of my favorite stories. You know, when when I was growing up, and and we'd go and you know hear a Bible story, or my mom would teach us a Bible story. You you hear about Jonah, and it's a it's a fun story. You know, it's it's pretty exciting, and and and. To be honest with you, the message that usually I heard when I heard about the story of Jonah was, you can run, but you can't hide from God. And, and that was kind of the concept I had uh, of the story of Jonah. And, and there's no doubt that that is one of the teachings uh, of the story of Jonah. Uh, but I think it goes deeper than that. As, as I was studying Jonah, one of the things I discovered is that Jonah is a missionary. God has called him to go to another country, Nineveh, uh, to preach to them. Unfortunately, Jonah is a bad missionary because uh, he does not want to go to Nineveh. In fact, he wants to go anywhere but Nineveh. And he gets on a ship and, 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 and goes in the opposite direction. And, but one of the things I want to see this morning is, is through the story of this, of this bad missionary, I think we learn... Something about God and about God's heart and, and how it is that God wants to work in our lives and work in the world that, that we live in. Uh, so I want to I dig in and, uh, and look at Jonah. We're not going to be able to read the whole book of Jonah, but I'd encourage you, it's not long. Uh, it's, it's four chapters, but they're pretty short chapters. You could probably read it in 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, so if you get some time uh, this week, and I know in your, if you go to a community group, you'll be able to, uh, to kind of rehash. I encourage you 
uh, to take 15, 20 minutes and read the book of Jonah uh, to, to get a little bit more, more context. Now, the book of Jonah starts off with God giving Jonah his instructions. And that's in verses 1 and 2 uh, of Jonah chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I, I, we need to do a little bit of context here. Uh, you see, Nineveh wasn't really a popular holiday destination in the days of Jonah, uh, especially if you were a Jewish prophet. Uh, Nineveh and, and Israel had, had years uh, of conflict between them. Uh, most of the time, Assyria had gotten the better of it. And they, they had oppressed Israel. Now, during the time of Jonah, Assyria hadn't reached its climax. At one point in the history of the, of the Middle East, Assyria was the, the power in that part of the country. Incidentally, it's, Assyria is basically the same area of the world where Syria is now and where, where ISIS is attacking. And I think we'll see actually some, that, that things really haven't changed a whole lot <laughs> over the course of the, of the centuries. Uh, now, now Nineveh and the Syrians, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and the Syrians were known as, as pretty cruel people. I did a little bit of research. And uh, what they would do when they conquered a, a city or a nation is they would, they would take the nobles, those who were, uh, who were of, of noble blood, they would uh, kill them. Uh, they would skin them and drape their skins over the corpses of others uh, that they had killed. They would take captured soldiers, and while they were still alive, they would cut off their noses and cut off their ears. Uh, they would gouge out their eyes. They would cut off their heads and stick them on stakes around the outside of the city. Now, that's as far as the gory stuff. I apologize for that, but I wanted to give you a little bit of context. Because this is a city that God is calling Noah, or Jonah, sorry, Jonah to go and preach against. Now, a little bit of context with Jonah. Jonah had been a prophet, and he's mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14. And in 2 Kings, we hear that the nation of Israel, that Jonah had prophesied that the nation of Israel was going to be able to throw off the oppression of the Assyrians. And God had sent that word to Jonah, and Jonah had been preaching that, and it had happened. It actually happened that they were able to, to kind of beat back the Assyrians, so send them back to Nineveh. And so if you can, if you can imagine, in the time of Jonah, Jonah's a pretty popular guy in the nation of Israel. Uh, he's preached this great message uh, that they were going to throw off the oppression of Israel and uh, of, of the Assyrians, and, and, and it had come to pass. And so he, they, they knew that God had spoken through him, and they were excited because it was good news and good things were happening, and, and the nation was, was going well. And so Jonah was on all the talk shows, and he was being interviewed on all the TV stations, and, and he, was, he was the man. And then God calls Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Mm, 
Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. The message he was supposed to preach is that they were that God was going to send judgment on Nineveh, and, 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 and Jonah's saying, you know, that's not a very nice message. And um, I, I, really, I really don't want a nose job or ear job. And, and so he boarded a ship and went in the opposite direction. Nineveh was inland. Uh, to get from Israel to Nineveh, you, you got on a horse, not on a boat. Uh, but Jonah goes down to the port, and he's going in the opposite direction. And uh, he's on this boat, and, and God sends this big storm. And, and the boat is, is, is going to sink. And all the crew on the ship is, is, is trying to figure out what to do, and, and they're trying to, um, uh, you know, they're throwing things overboard because they're taking on water. And, uh, and Jonah is down in the bottom of the ship snoring, sleeping. Finally, they go wake him up. Jonah, you need to come help us. What do you want me to do? Pray. Pray to whoever, whatever God you believe in. He says, well, I'm not sure I should do that. <laughs> uh, you see, because I, I think it's my fault that we're going through this storm. And uh, he says, you know, just throw me overboard. If you throw me overboard, things will calm down. Well, they didn't want to do that. They still, but they couldn't figure it out. So finally they grabbed him and they threw him overboard. And, and the, the Bible says, the passage says, that a big fish comes and swallows Jonah. Now Jonah's in the gullet of this fish for, for three days. And after three days, he finally starts to pray. I think he wanted to die. He would prefer to die than to go and do what God wanted him to do in going to Nineveh. Uh, but, but, but I think he finally figured out that God wasn't going to let him go. How did he survive in the gullet of this fish for three days? That's a God thing. Okay. And, and, and God was just going to keep him there until he was ready. So he prays. In, in chapter 2 of Jonah, we, we have the prayer that he prays. And, uh, and so he finally gives in, prays for deliverance. The fish throws him up on dry land. And Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh. And his message is, is this. In 40 days, Nineveh is going to be overthrown. And the response is incredible. All these nasty, cruel Assyrians start turning to the God. And they start repenting. And they say, we are really evil. We really are wicked. And we need to change. And we need to start worshiping the God of Jonah. And the king actually signs a declaration. And if you read chapter 3, you'll see the declaration that he signs, saying everybody's supposed to go into mourning. Everybody's supposed to show repentance. Even the animals, it says you're supposed to put sackcloth. That's how they showed their their repentance in those days, they put rags. They put rags on their animals, showing that they were going to repent. And, and, and the last verse of, of chapter 3 says that God decided not to destroy Nineveh. Well, the, the, key, to, the key to the book of Jonah is in chapter 4. 
Uh, in chapter 4, God sits Jonah down, and he wants to teach him a few lessons a- about himself as God. What kind of God is he? What kind of God wants a Jewish prophet to go preach to the city of Nineveh? And so what I want to do is I want to go, and I want, I've got four lessons, and if you, if you, there's a little outline in your, uh, in your bulletin if you want, you can fill it in, the, the answers will show up on the, uh, on the, on the screen. But uh, there's four lessons that we learn. The first lesson is this. God is not ignoring the wickedness in the world. God is not ignoring the wickedness in the world. Uh, his instruction to Jonah is to go and preach against the city of, of, of against the witnesses. Go to the great city of Nineveh, verse two, chapter one, verse two. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Have you ever have you ever got to the point where you say? Things are just really ugly right now. It's, and I'm not just talking about the Republican debate. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of nasty things going on in the world. You've got ISIS, and those are the ones that you see in the news. Uh, I, I can remember uh, about two years ago, a year and a half maybe. I got up Sunday morning and I made the mistake of reading the newspaper before I preached that Sunday. And I, this was in, I was in Guadalajara and, and I was going through the, the newspaper. And on page 14 of section C, I read a story about five people that had been killed, and that, that night before Saturday night, they, they had found their dismembered bodies that had been distributed around different parts of Guadalajara. And the, the, the thought that came to me was this. We're losing. We're losing. You know, I don't know what bothered me most. Uh, was of the news or that the news was buried on page 14 of section C of the main newspaper in Guadalajara. Because as I was thinking, there's two reasons why they would bury a story like that. To me, it should be a front page story. I, I think it would, if you, that happened in Denver, it would be on the front page of the Denver Post, I would imagine. And, 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 and the, I, I, I could come up with two reasons why it was buried in the newspaper. The first reason was that it was so common that it, that's, that's where it ended up, because it happened so often, which wasn't a very happy thought. The, the second reason that I came up was is that the newspaper is too scared to put it on their front page, which is probably the real reason which is not a very happy thought either. Uh, you know, Mexico's seen a lot of violence, and it continues to see. It kind of ebbs and flows right now. We're, we're kind of at a, at a low. 
uh, they got chapel, uh, and uh, I think they're trying to figure out a way to send him to Corinth. Uh, but he's fighting fighting extradition. But he's just one of many wicked people. Nasty stuff. And we could go any 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 part of the world. even in our own country. And at times, you just get overwhelmed, and you just want to ignore it. Well, one of the lessons of Jonah is that God is not ignoring the wickedness in the world. He sees it. And and it's something that he's taking notice of. And I, I believe it's something that he's going to do something about in his time. The, the second lesson that I see in the book of Jonah is that the solution to this wickedness is the message of redemption. The solution to this wickedness is the message of redemption. Look at Jonah chapter 4. And, and Jonah knows this. And, and, and this is the first part of, of, of chapter 4. What, what, what happens here is that Jonah goes up on a hill. Remember, he had been preaching that in 40 days, Nineveh was going to be destroyed. And so he goes up on a hill overlooking Nineveh. And you know why? Because he wanted the front row seat to the fireworks. He wanted to see these guys burn. Literally. And when God repented and decided not to destroy them, Jonah was ticked. Bad missionary. It says, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I went to Tarshish instead of coming to Nineveh. He says, why? He says, That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take take away my life, for it is better to me to die than to live. From the word of this bad missionary, we hear loud and clear what kind of God we serve. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. I thought about calling this message, and I didn't, but I thought about calling it the the God who loves ISIS. Can, Can you fit that into your framework? Because that's who these guys were. Nineveh. Nasty people. Wicked. And, and yet God wants to see them come to repentance and come to faith in Him. You know, Jonah couldn't get away from his own prejudice. Let, let's say it. He couldn't get away from his own racism. He, he, he really did want to see the Syrians burn. 
and he knew that God was a God of compassion and a God of redemption, even for the Assyrians. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a, of a political season. I didn't watch the debate last night. Kind of got tired of these. Um, but, you know, it's tempting. When we look at, at chaos... Uh, whether it's economic chaos, it's political chaos, it's, it's violence that's going on in the world. It, it, there, it's tempting to look for a savior in a politician. Mexico's tried to do that for centuries. Um, and it's not, we're not going to find it there, guys. We're not going to find it there. I don't care what political party you follow. The, the solution to, to moral decay, the solution to wickedness, is the life-transforming message of the gospel. It is the message that has not changed for 2,000 years. And if you go back even another 800 years to the time of Jonah, The message that our world needs to hear today is that God loves us, but that we're sinners. And our sin is what separates us from God. God wants to have a relationship with us. And so Christ died on the cross so that we have forgiveness of our sins. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sins. And what it's left up to us to do is to place our faith and trust in Him. And if we do that, He will come in and forgive us and give us eternal life. That's it. Pretty simple. I learned that when I was 12 years old. Child Evangelism Fellowship. God loves us. I'm a sinner. Christ died for us. If I receive Him, if I trust in Him, I'll be saved. That message is the solution to the moral decay and the wickedness that we see in the world. You know, you know, Mexico is a country that really has a lot going for it. Um, but, but it also has a lot of problems, and it's, and it's got problems that are, that are very deeply ingrained. One of the things that I've done since we've been in Mexico is I've, I've studied uh, the history of Mexico, trying to understand the, the, the culture and the background. I just got done uh, over the last six or seven months listening to an audio book. It's, it's a free download if you're interested. It's called The History of the Conquest of Mexico. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's on the LibriVox. Um, it's, they're free. It's a public domain uh, recording. Um, but, but you listen to the, the, the violence that, that was part of the, 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 Maya, or the Aztec culture farther south of Mexico, the Mayan culture. You, and and you, you look at the, the violent overthrow of when the Spaniards came in and of how they imposed their religion and just kind of put it right on top of, uh, of the, 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 really the animistic and the, and the spiritism uh, that, that was existence. Uh, just this week, I, I read this article online, and I think I've got a, a picture of it here, uh, about the growing worship of 
this is Santa Muerte. It's a, it's a really a death cult. And I don't know, it was, uh, Drudge had a, had a link to it this, this week on, on, his, on his webpage. Uh, but we see this, this, this kind of stuff. Did you know that these drug cartels, the, 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 these, these narco traffickers, these drug traffickers, they're actually very religious people. And a lot of them are praying to this lady. And it's a lady, by the way. Santa Muerte is a she. They have mass that they hold to this. The Pope is, is now one of the things that he's railing against. Is the, but it, it, it's a growing cult. Very dark stuff. Very dark stuff. Um, there, there's actually, um, I, I don't know, Jimmy, you remember when we went to El Vergel. Uh, right now we're going to Poncitlan when the team comes down. We used to be going to this little community called El Vergel. And in El Vergel, there's this shrine to Santa Muerte. And I went with, uh, with Pastor Edgar once. I said, you know, I'd like to go, go there. And uh, he says, I, well, okay, I'll take you. So we went and we parked and a couple blocks away and we walked. This little, uh, uh, little one-room kind of shrine, little chapel. And we were just getting near the door, and all of a sudden, this pastor friend of mine just started doing dry heaves. He's just physically sick. And, and, and he walked over, over to the side, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> something's going on here. And, and he calmed down, and um, I says, are you okay? He says, yeah, I think I'm okay now. He says, you want to go? We don't have to do this. He says, yeah, I still want to go. So we went in, walked in. There was a guy that was there. I asked him if I could take some pictures. I think he thought I was interested. And he said, yeah. So I, I took some pictures. I, I don't have those, and I'm not going to show them. Um, but on this wall, we've got a painting of Jesus. And superimposed in front of him is the Santa Muerte. And... Um, People are looking for solutions. There's a lot of wickedness going on. But the solution for Mexico is the same as the solution for Nineveh. And it's the same solution for Stapleton and for Denver. And it's not a Super Bowl championship. Sorry, guys. Although it's kind of nice, isn't it? I'm a recovering Viking fan. Yeah, 0-5. Yeah. Um, but the solution is that they need to turn for forgiveness to a gracious and compassionate God. God is in the business of redeeming. The third lesson is that God is a God who gives life. He has a life-giving power. Uh, on, on one occasion, uh, Jesus was asked for a sign. It was actually the religious leaders who, who were pretty much opposed to, to Jesus. They says, give us a sign. And uh, listen to what he says in, in Matthew twelve thirty nine to 41. He says, he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, Jonah was actually a sign of Jesus. God can even use bad missionaries. Thank you. (laughs) So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The sign of Jonah. What was it? It was resurrection. It was life-giving power. It's, it's a man who was in the gullet of a fish for three days. I don't know how he breathed in there. You're going to have to ask God when we get to heaven. But I believe he was there. I really do. And I believe that God helped him alive. And, and, and don't get the picture of Pinocchio and the giant whale. It's, you know, I don't think that's the way it was. And a little raft, you know, and a little light. And no, 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 no. It was a little darker than that, I believe. And Jonah's in there, and he's trying to die, and God is not going to let him die because God wants to do something in the life of Jonah. And he wants to give him life. And if you, if you think about it, over and over in the book of Jonah, we see this life-giving power. We see Jonah resurrecting out of a fish. We see life coming to the city of Nineveh, Nineveh full of darkness. We, we, see, we see the transformation of Jonah from a sourpuss, old, you know, wanting to see the, the people of Nineveh burn, and God saying, Jonah, it's not about revenge. It's not always about judgment. Yeah, judgment's there. But if someone, no matter how bad they are, wants to turn to me, I'm going to be there for them. And I want to bring life. You know, God, God even, if you read, we don't have time, like I said, we don't have time to read it, but in the chapter 4, in order to teach Jonah, he actually gives life to a plant, even. God is a God who gives life. He has life-giving power. And that is what we're about. That is what we're about. We're about bringing a life-giving message to a people who are dying. We're about bringing a life-giving message to, to people who are buried by their sin, who are buried by their broken relationships, who are buried by their greed and by their materialism. God is a God who brings life. It's the sign of Jonah. It's a sign of a resurrected Christ. And the power of the resurrection, which he wants, that Paul says, I believe in Philippians, he says, I I want to experience the power of resurrection in my life. Let me tell you a a redemption story. Uh, This is Oscar. Um, Oscar has, was a, is a, used to wrestle WWF. Do Do we have his picture? Hopefully. If not, picture Oscar and me standing next to each other. <laughs> okay. Oscar's a big man. He's, he's about my size, a little bit shorter, but, but a lot stronger. 
And, and he used to wrestle the, the WWF. And uh, one day he went to visit his uncle in L.A. And uh, his uncle attended church. It was a Calvary chapel. And so he took him to church. And Oscar says the reason he went is because his uncle convinced him to go. He says they give free donuts there. <laughs> so he was going to go for the free donuts. Uh, and and he, went to, he went to Calvary Church, and, and something touched his heart, and he just started weeping, and he couldn't stop. Uh, he went home with his uncle that night and just couldn't figure it out. The next day, he went back, and he made a decision to put his trust in Christ. Oscar went, to, uh, went back to Guadalajara, and he has an accounting business, probably has maybe... 15, 20 employees. And wasn't really interested in looking for a church. He's like, you know, God, I'm not really sure what you're doing here, but, you know, you're going to have to figure something out here. Cause... And one Sunday morning, he was having brunch at a restaurant in a hotel. And all of a sudden, he heard this celestial music coming from heaven. <laughs> and it was our worship team, which was practicing on the second floor because that's where we were meeting at the time. And he recognized the songs similar to the ones he had sung or heard in Calvary Chapel. So he came up. And uh, it was sat through the, the worship practice and then sat through the worship service, and he started coming. Uh, about three, four years ago, Oscar was baptized. Now, when we have a baptism in, in our church, we... We, we encourage people to invite their friends and family. Uh, Mexico is very traditional, and, and they usually have, they have baptisms. Usually with the traditional religion, they baptize infants. And when they baptize infants, it's always a big party. They invite their family, their friends, and they have a big party afterwards. So, so we can do that too. So invite your family and friends. So Oscar invited 70 people, and they came. He invited his employees. He invited his clients. He invited his, his family. He flew in his uncle from L.A. so he could be a part of it. Uh, he invited his mother-in-law. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. That's a long, different story, though. Uh, Seventy people came. And he stood up, and, and uh, when we do baptisms, preacher doesn't get to preach. Uh, we just have the people give their baptisms, tell their stories. We try and keep them short. It doesn't always happen, but they're always impactful. And uh, Oscar stood up, and he, 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 he stood out and looked these people in the eye and says, You know, I want you guys to know what God is doing in my life. And he looks at his wife, Monica, who still hadn't made a decision to trust Christ. He looks at her, he says, Monica, you need to hear this. God comes first, and you're second. I, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father for our kids. That is life-changing power. There wasn't a dry eye in the crowd. And, and there were people there who he had known for a long time who knew him and saw the change.
the last lesson that we, we, we see in the book of Jonah is that because of this, because of what? Well, because of the lessons that we've seen, that God is not ignoring the wickedness in the world. Because the solution to this wickedness is a message of redemption. And because God is a God who gives life and has life-giving power, our involvement in God's missions is not an option. It's a matter of obedience. Hear me carefully. And it's not just because I'm a missionary here that I'm saying this, because I believe this. And this is one of the reasons I am in Mexico. Is because I don't believe that being involved in God's plan for a world, for a wicked world, is optional for me. I believe it's a matter of obedience. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, is not just for missionaries, it's for all of us. Now, not everybody is called to go to Nineveh. I understand that. But we are all supposed to be involved at some level or another in God's mission and what God wants to do. You know, Jonah had to learn this lesson the hard way. (laughs) But but we're all called to have the same attitude that God expresses at the end of the book. And this is in Jonah 4. Uh, Verses 10 and 11. It says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. He's talking about this little exercise he had with Jonah where he had a plant come up and gave him some shade. Apparently he was out in the desert. It was pretty hot. And he's just, oh, yeah, this is nice. And the next morning a worm comes and eats the plant and it dies. And now he's like, ah, sun, hot, kill me, God. That's kind of an expression Jonah uses a lot. He, 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 He is suicidal. Like I said, he's a bad missionary. But um, the Lord says, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for the great city of Guadalajara? For the great city of Baghdad? For the great city of Calcutta? Great city. What's the city in Estonia that Crichton Crick's at? Khartoum? Thank you. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? <laughs> this is for the animal lovers and for also many animals. You can worry about that one in your community groups. I've got a question about that one. You, you, you see, that's the message for us. God wants us to be concerned. He wants to be concerned about the people, our neighbors, who are lost and, and who need to know and who need to, to hear this life-transforming message. You know, there's a lot of things that can distract us from this. But God's lesson to Jonah is to not get distracted by things that that really aren't that important. God is seeking to take a message of redemption to a lost and wicked 
world. That is what he is about. And that is what he wants us to be about. And the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are we focused on what God is focused on? Don't be a Jonah. Don't be a Jonah. But let God penetrate your heart. For Mexico, for Estonia, for the Stapleton area, for Denver, for Colorado. You know, I, I didn't I didn't write action steps. Um, I actually thought about it and kind of forgot how to do that so I <laughs> but I, I just encourage you to decide right now what what action step do you need who is it that you're running away from that God wants you to share this life transforming message with you don't have to beat him over the head just just share they're there they're waiting I believe that your neighbor your co-worker, employee, your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife. Missions is not an option. It's a matter of obedience. Let's not be Jonah. Lord, I want to thank you for your compassionate heart. Lord, I am fully aware that it takes a heart much bigger than mine to love a city like Nineveh. And Lord, we could we could put into that any city in the world today, even Denver. And Lord, I I just pray that you would speak to each one of us. That we would hear your voice as to what it is that you want to do in us and through us. Help us, Lord, to be focused on what you are focused Pray this in your son's name. Amen. You know, it occurred to me while we were praying that there, there may be people here who haven't experienced that life's transforming power. And, and maybe you're the one who needs the resurrection. Maybe you feel like you've been in the gullet of a fish for three days or three months <laughs> or longer. I'd encourage you, you've got a connection card, jot a note down there. I'd, li- I'd love to talk to somebody. I, I know that uh, that the staff here, the pastors, will make sure that someone contacts you about that. Thanks for so much for coming. It's, it's, it's fun to be here, and uh, I'll be at the back and love to love to greet you personally. But uh, 
Thanks so much for coming. We're dismissed.